comes first. So if you have a great show, you have a great business. If you don't have a good show, you have no business. The world beyond. Emotion is a tomorrow. Brought to you by Michelle Mack. Welcome back to my podcast, The World Beyond the Emotion Years of Tomorrow. I'm Michael Mark, and today my wonderful guest is Daniel Lamar. Daniel is the Executive Vice President of the Board of Cirque du Soleil, but he's also a creative leader, highly thought-out keynote speaker, and a notable advisor. In his 20 years as a Chief Operating Officer and Chief Executive at Cirque du Soleil, he has helped steer the world-renewed own company to tremendous international success. I'm very excited to have you here and talk to you about the future of life entertainment. Thanks for coming, Daniel. Thank you, Michael. It's an honor for me to have the opportunity to chat with you. Uh, having visited your park, having visited your amazing uh, you know, dinner experience, I cannot feel better and I cannot feel at home as I am talking with you. That's very kind of you, and I did enjoy your visit a lot when you came over to visit Europa Park for the first time a couple of weeks ago. For the listeners listening to us, I would like to start with a quick-fire round of four questions to get you to know you a bit more. Yeah. One. What does your perfect day look like for you? A perfect day for me is attending a premiere of a new show of Cirque du Soleil. It's uh, always a uh, you know, festive experience, an exciting experience. Two. What's the best part about your job? The best part is having the opportunity to create jobs for artists. Because as you know, it's very tough for an artist to have a decent life. And having the opportunity to provide them with great jobs is very, very rewarding for me. Three. What's a common misconception about the Cirque du Soleil? People always think that it's a traditional circus, uh, in particular in Europe, and it's not. It's a new category of show that we have created, which is a blend of circus art, theater, music, and special effects. Four. Books or movie? <laughs> Books. Thank you. To start off, I always like to challenge my guest with a provocative statement question. Will you allow me to provoke you a bit? Yeah, of course. Especially during the pandemic and other recent crises, we've witnessed the huge struggles life entertainment had to face firsthand. Is it still feasible to even continue doing live performances when technology has gotten so good and movies and film content is so popular and crisis-proof? Yeah, I think the pandemic was probably the most spectacular example that people were looking for human performance. But after the pandemic, our ticket sales has established new record. And why is that? Because people were missing live human experience. That's a little bit similar to here at Europa Park, but now we're talking about you today. And um, I guess that not everybody is knowing you and the company of Cirque du Soleil. I obviously uh, am a huge fan of uh, your company. Can you talk a bit about where you came from and um, what is your position, your role in the company today? Yeah, my background is uh, first uh, public relation. I was the owner of the largest public relations firm in Canada for, uh, you know, 13 years. And uh, then I received a phone call 
out of the blue from the founder of uh, Guy La Liberté, the founder of Cirque du Soleil. And uh, here I am, 20 years uh, later, having the chance to travel the world with Cirque du Soleil. So how can I imagine that? I mean, your phone rings. Obviously, Cirque du Soleil is um, very well known, I assume, uh, not only around the world, but particularly in Canada. So did you know what you were entering by getting the phone call? Not at all. That was such a challenging decision for me to decide that I would join the circus. And uh, that, was, that was tough because I was a traditional businessman, but I could not resist to the idea of developing with the founder an amazing global brand. And that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, traveling the world and conquering uh, city after city, new markets for us. I kind of try to just um, remember or like thinking about the moment you got the call. I mean, you being a at back in the days a business guy, and then you have this super creative. Um, never met him, but uh, Guy La Liberté, who talks about circuses and things, I imagine you never heard of. How was the relationship when it came to creativity and financing? Was that a Hard clash, or could you tell to our listeners something out, uh, or like a, like a story which is uh, uh, fun to listen to? I like to to say to people, and that's why my book was called Balancing Act, because I was always trying to find the right balance between creativity and business. And obviously, Guy, our founder, was an amazing artist. Hopefully, for me, he could also understand. Uh, the business side. So if I come to him with numbers that didn't make sense, uh, he would accept my recommendation not to move forward with a project. And uh, I was blessed to have this entrepreneur who was also an amazing creative artist. What character traits are essential for you to succeed in life entertainment business today? And um, would you recommend to young people um, to get into this field and follow your path you've been doing over the years? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, to me, it's the best industry in the world because you have this amazing opportunity to entertain people, to bring them outside of their, you know, normal life, have them uh, go through emotion and laugh. And this is an amazing venture. And I certainly recommend it to someone. But whomever will join the industry, that person has to be very agile. That person has to be able to adapt to a lot of different situations on a day-to-day -day basis. But if you're adventurous enough to travel the world and uh, gather people in your theaters, that's an amazing, amazing challenge. When you talk about traveling the world, I mean, uh, again, for those who are not on top of things regarding Cirque du Soleil, can you maybe tell us a little bit um, where Cirque du Soleil is playing around the world, um, how many people you have uh, working with you, where is your headquarter? I mean, all of that I do know, but just for the ones who don't. Yeah, uh, first of all, our uh, head office, which I like to call our creative center, is based uh, in Montreal, Canada. And uh, we have in the organization close to 5,000 employees. Out of that is about uh, 2,500 uh, artists. And we have this amazing opportunity to travel in 450 cities around the world. 
and uh, we tour basically everywhere in the world. And uh, the fact that we are doing that, it has allowed us to create one of the most knowledgeable uh, global brand. When did it all started? Um, um, as you might know, as my listeners do know, that the Mac family goes back for eight generations, and we started Europa Park in '75. When was the first Cirque du Soleil show being um, displayed to public? And was it in Montreal? Yeah, first and foremost, what's important to know about this organization is that it started with a bunch of street performers. They were literally begging at the corner of the street for people to help them. And then in 1984, the Quebec government gave them a subsidy to create the first Canadian circus show. And the first show was called Cirque du Soleil. And then the rest was history. You know, from, from there, they start uh, building new shows every second, third years. And uh, by 1989, that was their first stop in Los Angeles, and that's when really the company took off at, uh, at a major scale. And your role at Cirque had many different sides. Um, obviously, it was very, very artistic-driven from the beginning, as you were just mentioning. The people were literally performing on the street, and it became a business. And uh, as I understand that one of your biggest dependances is right now in Vegas, where you have a couple of shows performing. You still have Montreal, where you develop new shows and new acts. How is a typical workday for you or for the guys in the management at Cirque? Yeah, so I like to say that my office is probably at the Montreal airport because I'm there almost every week because I'm traveling all the time. Obviously, we have a lot of activities happening in Las Vegas because we have seven shows permanently in Las Vegas, which literally change uh, our organization. But uh, we also have a permanent show in Orlando and in Mexico. And now we're developing at a very large scale Uh, new resident shows around the world. And now in my new capacity, uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing deals to bring new uh, permanent shows for the company. The shows, are they always premiered at Montreal or do you premiere as well in other cities? Like, would you premiere shows also in Vegas or is it always in Montreal at the uh, center? All the rehearsal of all of our new shows are happening here in Montreal. All the touring shows starts in Montreal under a big top, but all the resident show will start wherever the residency is. And for instance, if we bring a new show in Vegas, obviously it will start and remain as a permanent site in, uh, in Las Vegas. Let's talk about trends and the development of live performances. At Cirque du Soleil, you have a trend group that travel around and identify trends Can you tell us a little bit about that group and how many of those would be traveling around the world? Yeah, we have scouts literally uh, traveling around the world. We are in the lookout all the time. There is a few things that we're doing. First and foremost, uh, we want to know everything about our industry. So this group will do a lot of what I call intelligence. So if you called me, Mike, and you say, there is a new show somewhere, I will go and I want to see it. Uh, for instance, that's why I went to visit you, because I wanted to have the opportunity to see your amazing dinner experience. Uh, every time there is something new happening somewhere, 
we're going. Either I go myself or I send someone. We also spend a lot of time casting the best artists in the world. So if you call me today and you say, oh, I know this great artist, chances are that I will send a scout. And as we speak in our data bank, we have over 300,000 artists. And we want to have la creme de la creme, as we say, in order to make sure that all the best artists in the world are performing for Cirque du Soleil. That's fascinating. And um, as you know, I have a great respect for the people at Cirque because you're doing amazing shows and uh, let the people dream what we try to do with our roller coasters and a bit of with our shows too. When you talk about developing shows, when you're looking for talents, I mean, what would you say is the DNA of Cirque du Soleil? Because I would describe it as the other circus, because when you talk in Germany about circuses, you think about animals and uh, uh, lions jumping to rings and stuff like that. <laughs> How would you describe for the non-viewers of Cirque du Soleil, what is a Cirque du Soleil show? First and foremost, we have never had animals in our shows, because what we do is getting much closer than theatrical and dance and music. So it's a blend of human performance, dance, music, and the choreography uh, is very, very innovative. Uh, we like to make sure that we are always on the edge of creating new acts, creating new category that will give us an edge on anybody else in, in the industry. So that's why we're in the lookout all the time for new ideas and new artists. What do you believe out of your research um, are the trends in life entertainment? And what do you expect for the future, what people will be seeing going to circus? First of all, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that virtual reality and new technologies will kill live entertainment. For us, it's the opposite because we have seen that people are always in the lookout for new technologies. Having said that, uh, we don't deny that there is a lot of new technologies that is going to influence us and is going to influence our industry. So we are looking for new technologies that are going to enhance the human performance. So if we bring special effect, if we bring new you know, realities, uh, we always like this to be there to support the human performance. On the other end, new technology is very important to us in marketing. Social media has changed the way we're promoting our brand drastically. And that's why we're not stubborn and think that new technology doesn't influence us. It does. But we have to, you know, continue to push the human performance because that's what our brand is looked for. When you look into life entertainment as general, I mean, we all do face the same problem a little bit, that the fast-paced internet um, is so quickly trends uh, um, within a day and the other. Um, what do you think is the base for your visitors to go into a two, three-hour venue? Do you still think that they have the patient in the future to sit still for two or three hours? Yeah, yeah, they do. But that's our challenge, because our challenge is not only to keep them in the big top or in the theater, but it's to keep them 
at the forefront of their seats. We want them to have emotion. We want them to be scared. We want them to, you know, be excited. And that's what we have to do. So we have to have a pacing. And let me insist on that. The pacing of the show is very, very important. And when we do uh, what we call in our lingo the acrobatic skeleton, we have to make sure that there will be a lot of different act that will bring you through a lot of different, to use your terminology, Michael, we also have roller coaster. But roller coasters are true emotions that people have. So we have to make sure that there is a lot of, you know, acts that are highly performance, other that are smoother, other that are more emotional. So we have to make sure that the pacing of the show will keep our spectator very nervous and excited and emotional about what they see. That gives me a lot of parables to the business uh, we are in and looking every day for new ideas and new rights and attractions. When you talk to me, you come over to see a Adrenaline, our newest restaurant, um, where there are barely any artists involved. Are you looking also into technical stuff that you say that a Cirque du Soleil show will maybe be enhanced by any technical um, things? I know that you can't carry around a roller coaster, but... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice though, but, but but apart from that, do you think that technically things are going to be changed in a circus? Yeah, and uh, if you would see, for instance, our show Ka in Las Vegas, there is a lot of technology, you know, because it's a big void and then the stage will show up and flip-flop and technology has made this show very, very spectacular. So that's why we we are interested about what you guys are doing Uh, for instance, that was an amazing learning experience to go through your famous uh, dinner experience because I thought there was a lot of creativity and I think you have reinvented the dinner experience. And that's the kind of breakthrough that we are looking for because it inspires us to go to the next step and also try to reinvent ourselves all the time. And we do have the same problem at the same time that we need people to come to our attraction. So I don't want to stick too much on the pandemic time, but um, I just can tell um, um, how my dad was feeling um, building up this company. And then you have a cut because he's so much longer in the industry than I am. How was it for you being like, uh, let's say, an experienced business manager for so many years and then suddenly things like that happen? Do you start thinking about man, we should try to get other business uh, at the start, that it won't happen again. And how did you feel during that time? Uh, that was horrible. Worst experience in my life, because for literally 16 months, the business was 100% shut down. So in this huge building we have here, we were only three, you know, the CFO, the legal guy, and myself. And all we've been doing for 16 months is talking to bankers, accountants, uh, lawyers, and just focusing on how can we save this company. And we've learned a lot from that experience. We learned a lot about our personal resilience. And now you're talking to someone that is so happy that we not only save the company, but we have rebound in an amazing way and uh, our actual success is a blessing 
and calling back all of our employees one by one and bringing them back uh, was amazing, very rewarding. But still it makes something with you. I mean, you say you, um, you've been talking to banks to say if the company was the same over here at Europa Park. Did you have time to even think a bit out of the box to say what can we do more in a digital, in a non-location-based um, experience matter? Or are you just starting right now to say now that we have the wind again, we can think about new formats and uh, the future programs? Yeah, During the pandemic, the way to keep the brand alive is we have created a network called Cirque Connect. And we were broadcasting every week some content of Cirque du Soleil that we made. Uh, you know, we had a very, very short team working on it. And uh, at the end of the process, Cirque Connect has delivered over 70 million viewers. And for us, that was the ultimate demonstration to all our new investors and bankers that the brand was still very, very strong. And through that experience that happened during the pandemic, it opened our eyes that there are other platforms uh, where we could broadcast or, you know, our, our content. And right now, we're in that mode. After we have, you know, bounced back with our live shows, now we are looking through the experience and the lens of Cirque Connect to see how can we diversify the company by having other content than only live shows. It sounds very interesting and promising. So um, I want to quickly jump back to the artists and the smallest and the early adopters to the um, Cirque du Soleil. Uh, you've been talking um, when you visited Europa Park uh, about your cooperation with the local talents. Um, you said that you have a school, that you have housing in Montreal, that you do a lot for new talents, getting to join the Cirque du Soleil world. Um, I think that was just amazingly to hear. And as you know, with our Talent Academy, we're also trying to give young talent um, a place that we would host them here at the park and see what's out there for future shows. What is Cirque doing for young talents, um, especially in Montreal? First of all, Mike, uh, don't forget that you had promised me that you will visit our headquarters. So then which I, I will, will be... Which I will. <laughs> <laughs> And and I will have the opportunity to show you uh, not only our creative center, but going across the street, uh, we could visit the International Circus Art School that uh, we have created from the ground up. And every year, about 20 uh, young artists graduate from that school. And uh, obviously, all of them has a job after they graduated, either at Cirque du Soleil or somewhere else. But as we uh, grow, uh, we like to think that we can hire all of that. Across the street, we also have residents uh, for our artists when they come to rears for a new show or if they come for a specific training session in Montreal. So we have developed what we called in Montreal the uh, Circus Art City. And it looked like a, a city, which is uh, which is great. 
So you would say like a circus so much more than just a show. It's an own ecosystem where you try to um, actually think in a generation to pass on the passion of entertaining people. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. And you're right in using the term ecosystem because a lot of companies in Montreal uh, started with Cirque du Soleil. You know, we have a a, uh, you know, a staging company that has developed itself and now is traveling the world with us. Uh, you know, we have uh, a new special effect company that is also developing internationally. So we're very, very proud that the impact of Cirque go over and beyond our company, but it has created a Canadian ecosystem that now is developing uh, around the world. We talk about new products, and we've been speaking about that when you were visiting um, us earlier this month. Um, is the um, conference you are developing, and I know you've been heavily involved in the C2 as well. For those of you not knowing what it is, it is a conference, as I understood, being mixed with entertainment made by Cirque du Soleil. Is that a product you um, looking to expand or those kind of formats? And can you tell us a little bit about the C2 as such? Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that because, uh, you know, at the genesis of, of this organization, uh, it started with the owner of our ad agency, uh, Sidley, that came in my office and said, uh, you know, we should do something more creative and build, uh, you know, an international uh, creative event in Montreal. And it's called C2 because it's the two C are for commerce and creativity. And uh, having the opportunity to be one of the founder of this organization, I'm very proud uh, that it lasts that long. And now we are thinking about expanding uh, this venture. But it's amazing because every year now we have over 2,000 people from around the world coming to that event. And uh, I'm still heavily involved and excited uh, that uh, we will be again presenting and hosting people from around the world next May in Montreal. So the convention will be for a couple of days, am I correct? And it would be like all different kinds of new stuff to discover? Or what, what, what's the essence of, of C2? Like being different, that's for sure. But Yeah, you... we want to bring uh, whatever is considered a breakthrough in the creativity world. So we bring you know, the best creative mind in the world. We do a lot of networking. So we do a lot of workshop. Uh, so if you come to that event, you will have to meet with the most creative people in the world. You will also have the opportunity to exchange uh, knowledge and capabilities with other entrepreneurs from around the world. So you will leave Montreal uh, hopefully being inspired, uh, having found new ideas that you implement in your own company. And that's the purpose. And that's why we keep the format quite edgy and original for people, again, uh, to challenge their own creativity. Can you give us some insights about working with creatives? Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure if everybody appreciates you coming back with a new idea, telling a creative what to do. Well, how would you um, define the process between financial success and creativity and um, free spirit? 
Yeah, first of all, uh, I have my personal expression, which says that in the words show business, show comes first. So if you have a great show, you have a great business. If you don't have a good show, you have no business. And that's why I always push and support our creative people to come with new ideas. And having had the opportunity to observe amazing artists, such as our founder, Guy La Liberté, but also working with the Beatles and James Cameron, observing them, it shows me that if you support those type of creators, that's how you're going to develop amazing shows. And by doing that, then you create an amazing business. And that's what we have been doing for many, many years. But still having said so, I mean, thanks for the beautiful comparison and the things you just mentioning. But on the other hand, there's, I consider Cirque as, as well being very artistic. And in Germany, you have a saying, art never wins any money. So, um, <laughs> what I mean, is it, is it the economy of scale as well that you try to be in different places around the world? Because you are limited literally by the seeds of a theater. Yeah, no, you're right. And also, you know, we are very well known for our creativity, and uh, that's what we are. But at the same time, we're business people, and that's what you have to do. You have to make sure that whatever you're developing, it has the appropriate scale to make money. And uh, we're not shy of making money, because as I like to say to our artists, the more profit we make, the more uh, leverage, the more depth we're going to have financially to develop more shows and to hire more people. And that's why I think, again, uh, you have to be smart by supporting your creators, but at the same time, having business parameters that make sense. And how often you would actually, like, just for me as being a show kid, not as much as you, but like knowing at least what it is to have a good show, how much would you be involved? Or let us, I mean, you have a new idea. You get back home to Montreal, you said like, hey guys, listen, this is what I want to do. And then do you have like one, two, three, four creatives? And then they start um, drawing, searching for music, doing a concept, getting back to you. How long is the process of making a Cirque du Soleil show and how much you would give them a free hand of choosing within the budget? Because I once read a quote from Walt Disney saying like, I need the best ideas for money. I have other people. So how freely they can um, operate and how often you would be in a backup or in a, in a meeting to see where it's going. So what is the process about doing a Cirque du Soleil show? Yeah, the process works as followed. First of all, it starts with a mandate that we give to a small creative team. And we're very, very clear about the type of show that we're looking for. So it will start with three guys, a director, a creative director, and a production director. And they will, the three of them together, come back to us and show us a concept that answered the mandate that, you know, we gave them. So that process will last a couple of months. If we like the concept, then they will bring other people like costume designer, music, the writers, uh, scenograph. Uh, uh, so from three people, they would move to 20 people to develop entirely 
the show concept, the scenography, everything. Then they will come back to us. And that process, because it's kind of back and forth between us and them, will probably last for an extra six months. So we're now up to nine months. And then after that, when we all agreed on the content of the show, including, you know, the casting, everything, then they will hire the artists and then start developing the costume and everything else. And then the production process as such will last for an extra nine months. So developing a new show of Cirque du Soleil will take between 18 to 24 months, depending on how the process is going to be smooth or how much it will ask uh, iteration of the content. And do you have several uh, like creation going simultaneously or and then you would like say like 50% makes it to become a show or or do you just go one by one? Yeah, we 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 normally would develop probably two to three shows at the same time, but no one will be involved on more than one show because we think that the creator has to be dedicated 100% to that one great shows that they're working on. So if we're developing on two or three shows, then it means that we have two or three teams uh, working at the same time. Uh, the only people that are involved on all the process are uh, the creative uh, vice president, the CEO of the company, and myself. And we will review on a regular basis, which is normally Uh, depending uh, where we are in the process every second month to review the progress uh, that the team is doing. When you talk about the uh, digital age and about the pandemic where we just communicate via digital media and now we're doing the podcast recording um, over the internet so we're not here in person at Europa Park, how important is it for you to sit together in a room for creativity? Or do you think that everything can be done on remote? No, I think there is nothing that can, uh, you know, be as much fun and creative than having a good meal and a good bottle of wine. And I, I truly believe that you have to have formal creative session, but you also have to have informal because in chit-chatting among ourselves, then comes uh, new and great ideas. The good news, though, that we've learned from the pandemic is that we don't have to travel all the time, uh, meaning that we can have a meeting, for instance, between our international employees, our Vegas employees, and us in Montreal. We can now meet on a more regular basis because every meeting doesn't have to be an uh, in-person meeting. And uh, so that's why now I think we have the best of both worlds, learning from Zoom and Teams, uh, but also keeping the creative process with in-person meetings. And they all would take place in Montreal, as I understand. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you will walk in our creative center, you will understand why. Because it's a very uh, creative environment when it's fun for creators and artists to live here. So we've been talking about a lot about the creation of a show, about traveling around the world, um, digital devices, uh, person meetings. I would touch, before we talk about technology, 
And so it's like Cirque du Soleil trying to, in the, in the kitchen, you talk about the fusion, um, bringing brands together which not lookalikes. I'm, I'm having in mind the beautiful theater you built in Mexico together with the Vidanta group, which uh, you would never expect to have a dinner show in a resort um, far off away uh, of a city. Um, you've been at Port of Atura, um, you have several projects at um, special locations. You've been to New York. So is Cirque du Soleil taking place more and more in amusement parks, um, resorts, and um, city uh, environments? Yeah. Uh, you know, as you know, we have a show at uh, Disney in Orlando. And as you just mentioned, we, we, we are in a resort. So the big change here is the following. When I joined Cirque, we were developing a show, and most of the time it was to travel around the world, and we will say, this is a format, we're developing it, and people will come. We changed that approach, uh, you know, after the pandemic, and then we're more market management approach, which means that we look to a specific market, and we say, how can we optimize our presence in the market. To give you an example of that, we have a touring show at the Royal Albert Hall in London. But for us, that's not enough because London can take much more Cirque du Soleil content. So now we are developing a dinner show in London. We're also looking about having a spectacular big show in London as well. So we think there is more room in London for more content of Cirque du Soleil. In a resort like, uh, you know, Riviera Maya, or soon in Puerto Vallarta, obviously uh, there is a good tourist base, but that market cannot accommodate a big show of Cirque du Soleil. That's why we have developed the format of a dinner show. So that's what we're doing right now, is developing content that will fit the market that we're aiming at. I'm a huge fan of immersive theater, as you might know, and we're just in the phase uh, actually of doing our own immersive theater called Eden's Manor, Balthasar's Secret, which will take place at our new Dramatica format this year at Europa Park. What is your feeling about immersive theaters and is Cirque yet there or are you going to be there soon? Yeah, uh, good news is we will. Uh, we should be opening uh, in a year from now, uh, you know, a new immersive uh, experience based on uh, actual content of our show, but presented in an immersive way. So I think it's uh, when I was talking earlier about diversification, that's one development axe of our diversification. And again, that's why we're exploring other possibilities as well. And uh, that's how we're going to be able to bring more sustainability to the company by having new sources of revenues. So can you tell us in which country it'll be, or is it secret? <laughs> uh, it's secret for now, but, okay. uh, but it will be a touring immersive experience because that's what we're good at. We're very good at touring in several cities around the world. So it will start uh, in the U.S. and then we'll tour uh, internationally. Okay, so we keep a good eye on your development. Do you know when you announce it so uh, we uh, can yeah. screen the internet? Yeah, yeah, it should be announced uh, within a couple of months. 
Excellent. So you never know. So let's see what comes out to your immersive theater. And you have here with the invitation of our Eden Manor, if you're around in October, to see how we interpret an immersive theater. And maybe there could be once uh, in the future a collaboration together with you guys in Montreal. Going to slowly to the end of this interview, what can an amusement park learn from Cirque and vice versa? Yeah, uh, you know, again, I think, and what I like about the relationship, Mike, that we are developing is that we come from two different worlds, but we come from the same world to a certain extent uh, because we want to attract people with new content. So I'm very glad that, you know, we could learn from your amazing laboratory, uh, you know, which is, uh, you know, Europa. Uh, theme park. What what you're doing there is amazing. And I just hope that in the same breath, uh, you can also learn from, from what we're doing. And as you said, uh, you know, that would be great if uh, we can find one acts of collaboration, because I have a great deal of respect for your family, for your content, and I should say for the, the way you're seeing the business. And uh, you are an innovator, And that's what's appealing to us. Thank you so much. Now we can stop the podcast. Thank you very much for giving me that nice <laughs> candy over there. Uh, but is there anything you have in your mind which you'd like to ask me um, before I gonna ask you my last question? Yeah. So because we're in the same, uh, you know, industry, you ask me about how I see the future of live entertainment. So I would like to ask you the same question. How do you see the future of live entertainment? Well, I do believe um, that live entertainment is still a very, very big part of people's um, joy and free time, as well as I do think that the cinema still has a future because it's a gathering together with people. And I think the strength of Europa Park as well as Cirque is like gathering together with people. I do believe, though, that digitalized products are getting more and more Uh, important and it'll take some time I guess um, till we are back on the track when it comes to digitization because we never had to do it as strong as we have to do it nowadays. I was quite um, amazed when I was seeing the uh, German uh, computer fair and you have Stranger Things and Netflix TV series which um, is hosting a stand at the computer fair and the people are going bananas of seeing their favorite game uh, and they can touch it and they can feel it. So I think that we're going to implement a lot of digital brands to our shows and parks and uh, vice versa. I think becoming a brand more and more digitally and interact much more with our guests that they maybe can choose in the future an ending of a show or even they can get in contact with the artist and um, learn to getting to know more about them and their career. So I think it's going to be more and more interactive. But in the in the heart of it, I think that we're still a social event. And I think that social events, if you look back in the times of the Colosseo, where like people would go out to see um, entertaining outside their homes, I think the people still want to travel and want to go out. But I think they also want to uh, discover the brand in their uh, living room. So I think this is going to be a very, very difficult, but not undoable time. And I do believe that 
big brands are doing more and more joint ventures, um, whether it's been with other resorts, um, as you know, with the Vidanta Group, where we're also delivering content, not only the attractions. So I think that um, SEAC Europa Park Mac, uh, is the perfect fusion for future um, uh, projects. And I think it's going to be more and more um, a fusion of different things. Also, the computer brand industry. So I think that we also have to be taking place in the metaverse or in gaming or whatever uh, you, the word will be in the next years. Seven years from now. As always, my last question is, what will the world look like in seven years' time regarding your area of expertise, Daniel? Will we still enjoying stage shows in the way we are today? Definitely, uh, because, uh, you know, I still believe that people will be looking for human, you know, performance in seven years from now. But I have to think that there will be much more new technologies and there are some effects that we're using an immersive experience that will be embedded in live shows. The other thing is uh, we have to be open to, uh, you know, what's going to happen with robot. Are we going to have robot in our shows in the future? I don't discard that. So I, I guess right now we're evaluating all the technologies available and see which one uh, will enhance the content of our shows. So I would say, as you said, and I agree with you, live entertainment is there forever, but the content will become more and more sophisticated, even if at the art of it, human performance will remain. Excellent. I couldn't say it any better. Thank you so much. Um, a little hint from my side, um, Daniel was as kind of sending me over one of his books called The Balancing Acts, Unleashing the Power of Creativity in Your Life and Work. I have to say I haven't read it yet, but I will do so. For all you out there who want to know more about Daniel and his fascinating career, go and buy the book. I think it's available in English and French. So thank you so much, Daniel, for being my guest today. It has been wonderful to talk with you about the future of live entertainment. It is always such a pleasure. And of course, meeting you in person here at Europa Park or as I promised in Montreal. And I will promise to you it's going to be this year for sure. So thank you all for listening today. Please tune in the next time again to uncover more what the world of tomorrow holds. Goodbye, Daniel. Goodbye. Thank you. Michelle Mack presents The World Beyond. Emotionies of Tomorrow. A Mac One Production.